You are listening to The Party Girl Podcast with Chelsea Curtis, episode 91. So when we talk about event pricing, um, it's not... It's not really as simple as somebody calls you up and they're like, oh, hey, will you do an event? How much is it? And you can just throw out a number over the phone. Um, It's probably not good to do it that way because I pretty much can guarantee you that every time you do that, you're going to drastically undercut yourself and probably not charge enough. Yesterday, I talked all about event budgets and listing out all of the different things that you need for the event. Um, In that budget, you should include your time and start thinking about like a timetable that it's going to take you to accomplish those tasks. One of the things I love so much about being an event planner is it's not like a typical nine to five desk job. So when I worked before I had my daughter, like my daughter is seven years old, seven, seven, eight years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I was actually a salon manager and I managed um, a seven figure salon. It made a million dollars a year. It was really, really like awesome. And, and it kept me busy. And then when I got pregnant, I was like, okay, I'm not doing any more work. I'm going to be a stay at home mom. And then I was a stay at home mom for three weeks. And I was like, okay, yeah, this isn't for me. So I created my blog, which has now evolved into my event planning business. And the thing that I love about this business is I had two rules when I decided to go back to work, um, even though I was working for myself. And the first one was, I don't want to put my kids in daycare full time. Like I don't want somebody else to raise my kids. I want to be there to raise them. And the second thing is like, I want to work um, when I want to work and I want to be able to take off when I want to take off. Like, I don't want to have to ask a boss. um, Can I take time off to go do this thing? Or can I leave early? Or can I have a longer lunch? Right. And so becoming an event planner um, and actually getting it to the point where it makes money consistently. And I'm able to have the things I want and provide the type of lifestyle for my, my kids and myself and have that little bit of freedom and, and the control that I've kind of talked about over my own destiny, my own life really has been invaluable. And I love um, sharing this with women. And, and I have to tell you yesterday, I actually went to um, a sales meeting with another like high profile celebrity client. And as we were sitting there, they're like, you are just so amazing. Like we're so grateful. We're so tired of doing our own events. And as I I left that meeting, I was like, oh my gosh, like I am so grateful that I've stuck to this thing and that I've put in the time and that I've continued to hone my skills and not given up because I made mistakes. I made big mistakes in the beginning. And I'm so glad that I didn't give up because I love what I do so, so, so much. And it makes me so incredibly happy to say, gosh, I built this thing in the cracks of my life, like while I was watching my kids learn how to crawl and helping teach them how to walk. And, you know, while I was singing songs in the car with them, like I'm able to build my business and I'm able to build my businesses in the cracks of like, we're at the doctor's office and we're waiting. And I'm like able to send a few emails while my daughter is playing with toys over there. Um, when I'm in line at the DMV, like, you know what I mean? Like this is how this type of a business is built. And if you can organize yourself and you can, um, figure out how to uh, multitask and and work smart and efficiently. Like even if that means that you are putting your kids to bed at eight o'clock and you're able to work on your business from 8 p.m. to midnight, that's also what I did for many, many years. Um, I would just rather have that and be able to choose my time and my life and my schedule than the alternative. So um, as I'm, yeah, as I'm kind of getting a little mushy over here, I just want you to know that like if it's hard, 
it's okay. Like it means that you're doing something. It means you're working on it. If you feel frustrated, if you're not seeing the clients, if you're not seeing the income come in, there are answers. And I hope that this lesson today gives you some help and inspiration and motivation to just remind you to keep going. Okay. Like the fact that it's hard means that you're actually doing something because you know, what's not hard is sitting on the couch and just being like, yeah, I'm just not going to do anything that. And then the years of, of life passing you by and looking up and wondering like if you would have started, you know, a year ago, where would you be now? So if you're just starting right now, welcome, like we need to band together and we need to lift each other up and encourage each other because it is hard. Running a business is hard, but I promise you that this is one of the most rewarding careers of your life. Like it, event planning is just joyous and it's so much fun. And I promise you that if you have the attitude of like, everything is figure outable and everything is doable and like everything is learnable, you will do so well. And just again, like always treat people better than you want to be treated and, and just show up and put your, when you put your name on something, just have it be the best ever. So, um, let's go ahead and dive into this lesson today about putting yourself out there. And I hope that you are recognizing and, re and realizing that the secret to getting paid clients is actually just putting yourself out there and saying, Hey, I'm an event planner and I do events and I would love to do yours. And maybe that means that you're going into businesses and get, dropping off business cards. Maybe that means that you are asking your friends for referrals. Maybe that means you're putting it out there on social media. Maybe that means you're creating your own events so that you're creating your own opportunities. That's how I started. You guys, like nobody really asked me to do an event before I started doing my own. And as I started doing my own, like little Halloween parties and dinner parties and family parties, that's when people saw my talents come through and they were like, oh, you're so good. Like, how can we work together? Right? So think about it that way is it's, you don't have to wait for someone to open the door for you. You can open your own door whenever you're ready. Um, so let's say you are ready and you're like, okay, like I want to, I want to get paid. Like how do we, how do we get started? So somebody called you up. They're like, let's do an event. How much would you charge for this? Okay. Rookie mistake. Number one is you cannot just give a quote over the phone for a party that you don't have the details for. You've got to know some stuff. You got to know like when it is, where it is, what their budget is, what the goal of the event is. You want to know all of those things. And in that process, what it's called is it's actually called a discovery call or a discovery meeting where you sit down and you just dump, have them dump everything in their mind about that event that they want. What do they want the colors to be? What do they want the decor to be? What is the food that they're going to serve? Are they going to do music or entertainment or photos, right? You need to get everything out there because they are probably a lot of people that aren't event planners. I think they come into an event like, oh yeah, we'll do this event and we'll have people come and it'll be great. Perfect. And, and as an event planner, you're like, what? You literally have nothing planned. Like there's literally no logistics, nothing planned. Um, and so it's your job to help extract all of those little plans and get it organized for them so that they can see it laid out and make a decision on what they want to do. So when you do this discovery call or this discovery meeting, that's all that you're doing is you're just getting details, details, details. And I like to ask a bajillion questions. Like I want to understand every aspect of every single part of the event. So even at my meeting yesterday that I was at, you know, they have this idea for their event, they're a business, they want to do this business event. And I'm asking questions like, oh, we, we didn't think of that. Oh, we didn't think of that. You know what I mean? Like if you want to have this event at an auditorium, like does the auditorium allow food and drinks? Cause if food and drinks are a big part of your event, you're saying you want everyone to have a soda and a cookie, like that's really, 
going to be important for us to know because when we go to the venue, the last thing you want to do is put money on a venue that's non-refundable. And then the venue is like, oh, by the way, there's no eating in the auditorium. Right? So you got to kind of think through all of these things. And one of the things that I do um, is called mind mapping. And so when somebody tells me their idea, I kind of go into my mind and I start to like replay how it would be as a guest to be in that experience and in that event. And then as I go through, I kind of make a list of like, okay, what am I seeing? What am I doing? Where would this be? What would the logistics be, right? And then you mind map it reverse engineer from the event planner perspective. So as the event planner, I need to set up this. I need to do that. If there's a photo booth here, I need to have that. Who's going to do it? And you start just mapping out all of the pieces of the event to make it like solidified and you can get details when you present it to them. Because again, most people, most clients, they're literally like, yeah, I'm going to throw a birthday party. It'll be fine. If you want to be able to be the type of event planner that people are referring to as an expert and as somebody that has real credentials and um, is the go-to name like in the party community where you live, you have to have this nailed down. Like there's just no question about it. You have to have this down. So once you have that discovery meeting, that discovery call done, now you're ready to write your event proposal. And in your event proposal, you're going to basically write them like this beautiful bit of everything that you're going to include. So what you want to do is you want to start with an attractive event description of like, they told you what the event is. And I want you to just like tell this beautiful story and paint this beautiful picture of what you heard and then elevate it 10 times. Right. So it's going to be like this and it's going to have summaries of like the decor and like what the food would be like and the time and, and all of the appeal of the event that they're creating as much of it as possible. You want to pour into this uh, description. Then you're going to take some time and in bullet points, list out all of the services that they're going to need from you and from vendors. Okay. And the reason you're doing this is you're showing them all of the things that you're going to handle for them. If you skip this step, when you get to the price of like, Oh, here's what the event is going to cost. It doesn't have as much value because the person looking at the thing is like, well, that's a lot of money, right? They're not in their mind. They're not thinking, Oh my gosh, like you are doing all of this. Wow. Like I didn't realize all of this went into planning an event. And so it's really important that you are talking about what you're going to be doing for them in this section of um, services that you're going to offer. You also want to talk about incorporating the budget, which is what we talked about yesterday. And so you're going to have like a mock budget of, hey, here's kind of what we talked about. Here are some of the prices based on those numbers and based on some like basic research that I've done to give you an idea um, so that they have that right there to look at the budget of the full event, make sure to include your event planning fee in that budget. And then you're going to put it all together with a description of here's what I can do for you. Here's the event budget. And then here's the price that you need to pay me and when you need to pay me by. Right. Um, as part of this, you can absolutely add a resume that's showing your previous work. Usually if um, they've already hired you and you've already had a meeting, you don't really have to do like a full, like here's my resume, my headshot, blah, blah, blah. You can just kind of say, you know, I've done events like this for other clients in the past and we had this, this, and this, and this is what worked well and this is what didn't work well. So it kind of gives them a little bit of credibility from your perspective. But let's say you've never done an event like this, okay? So for example, I recently just did an event for a client and it was a speaking event and they asked me to MC. They asked me to put together an event which was like from stage. And it was totally different than anything I had ever done. Like I've literally never done anything like that. 
And so they've already worked with me in the past. And so I told them, I said, you know, this is my first time doing this type of an event like this in this format. I'm super confident that we can do it. And here's kind of my thought process. And at any point, if you want things changed or if you need things to be different, let me know because I can pivot and shift and make it exactly how you want. Right. So I'm, even though I'm saying I've literally never done this, I'm showing up as a competent and confident professional saying, even though I've never done this, I'm a smart girl. We can figure this out together. You let me know, you guide me, and then I'll make those executive decisions as I need to, to make your life as easy as possible. Because at the end of the day, I love to pitch my services as you get to show up as like the bride to the wedding, right? Even though it's not a wedding, but you get to show up to the event and I will have everything handled. And when things aren't handled, you won't even know because I'll be resolving them while you're just enjoying the evening. Right. And people love that. That's like, Oh yeah. You like, you can't pay enough for that kind of, um, service and that kind of like, I've got you covered and I've got you taken care of. Right. So you want to make sure that you keep it authentic. So be super genuine as you're writing your proposal, make sure it's not super stuffy. Like if you're a fun person and you're lighthearted, like you can have fun with it. You can add pictures, you can add little, like, um, like on Pinterest, I'll put some images together and then I'll take a screenshot of that and put it right into the proposal and kind of show them like, here's the colors and here's some of the stuff because it gets them excited. And most people are visual. So when they see those pictures and they see those little grids put together, they're like, Ooh, this is going to be so good. I love it. I love it so much. Um, so then once you've got all of that put together, you've got a little blurb about the event. You're talking about all the things you're going to do for them. You've got the budget in there that they can see plus what you're going to charge them. You've got pictures and all the fun things that are going to make this proposal come together. You want to make sure that you end it on a note of gratitude. So they may hire you. They may not. They may ask you to hold off. They may ask you um, if you can negotiate the price. Like there's a ton of things that, that could happen. The main thing is you want to be grateful. So I always add like a, a letter of gratitude at the end. I just say, thank you so much for meeting with me and for the opportunity to even think of and dream up this idea. Now there's two trains of thoughts here. When you do a proposal, most people are like, yes, I'll just mail it out to them. I'll just email it out. And when you email your proposal, um, you risk two things. Like they can pick it apart and I've had clients actually come back and be like, well, I don't need you to do this. I don't need you to do this. I don't need you to do this. So can you take those off and then lower the price? To me, I'm like, okay, um, I have to manage those. So even though you're saying like, oh, you have like a staffer or a team member that can do them, I'm still going to have to oversee it because at the end of the day, it's my name on the event, right? So sometimes what I'll do is instead of emailing a proposal is I'll actually hand deliver it and say, hey, I have your proposal. When can we go over it? And the reason I like to do that um, is because it's harder for them to cheapen your price if they're going over it with you and you can actually expand on the points and say, okay, here's all the things I'm going to do for you. Here's the budget. And like, is this sounding okay? Is this sounding okay? And, and this is kind of why I oversee this. So even in that meeting, if they're like, oh, we have a, a team member who can handle that, I can explain to them like, yes, while you have a team member handling this, I'm still going to have to oversee the team member because as the event coordinator, I cannot be in the dark about that element, right? So for example, like if they're saying, oh, our team members can handle ticketing, it's fine if they want to handle like the check-in process and managing the tickets as they're coming in. But at the end of the day, I need to be able to oversee that so that I can know what's going on. You need to, as the event planner, have all of the pieces to the puzzle and you can absolutely disperse those pieces and have people help put it together. But you can't be in the dark about any piece of it because that's at the end of the day, your name on that event. Okay. So once you have this meeting or if you must send it out, um, have them go over the proposal and say in there, say, Hey, here's the proposal. Thank you again. I'm super excited to follow up with you. If I don't hear back from you, I will, 
email you within 48 hours to see where you're at. The reason I do this is because it's super important for them to say, oh, good, like she's going to follow up with me. And sometimes you feel awkward, like you send it out and you're like, okay, are, are they going to say yes? Like, are we, are we ready? Um, are we ready to do this? And you'll be waiting for a long time because with anything sales related, the fortune is in the follow-up. I'm going to say that again because it's really powerful. When you're selling something and you send out a bid or a proposal, the fortune, getting the yes, getting the bid, winning the bid is in the follow-up, okay? So if people are busy, they're going to put things on the back burner, especially when you're saying, oh, I'm an event coordinator and you should pay me 2300 bucks to put this event together for you. They're going to sit and think on it. They're going to be like, uh, okay. But if I tell them like, hey, I'm going to follow up with you in 48 hours, um, if you don't hear back from them, you've already given yourself permission to be like, hey, I'm back. Like, do you have any questions about the proposal? Here are some other ideas I have. Um, another thing about the proposal is like, there are little tiny bits of like magic and like your secret sauce that I don't put in there. Like there's little things that I just don't put in there because for example, um, if you ever have somebody that's like, oh yeah, send us a proposal. And then they say, no, they can take your proposal and like go try to do it all themselves. And you just did all that work for nothing. That's one of the reasons why I think that if you can, you always want to present your proposals in person so that you absolutely can kind of stand up for yourself. And if they're like, yeah, I don't know, like you can get them to like sign you a check that night. You know what I mean? Hey, let's do this. Um, and I guess they could say like, I want to think about it. I just have found in my experience that it's way less like the people who are going to think about it in person. It's just less. they get usually really excited and they're like, let's make a deal. Um, and in the proposal, I usually say like when you're ready to say yes and ready for me to start working on this for you, I like to take 50% and I'll start working on it. And then the other 50% is due a week before the event so that you are making sure that they know that you're invested and that there's an incentive for you to do good because you haven't been paid on the event fully, right? But it's covering your time for all the prep work and all the extra stuff you have to do to get started to go to that point. So you tell them you're going to follow up with them. You give them the proposal, you send it to them. And then what you're going to do immediately after is you're going to write them a handwritten thank you card that says, thank you so much for meeting with me. It was such a pleasure to be in your home and to get to know you. And I would really look forward to working with you and showing you the, the magic that we can, we can do together. And I know that your event is going to be a huge success and it would be such an honor to be a part of that. Okay. Super, super genuine. Um, thank you card that just kind of explains where your position is and how uh, it kind of gives them a feel for like how you are as an event planner and just who you are as a person, right? Always showing gratitude. So then you're going to allow that 48 hours to go by. And if you don't hear from them, then guess what? Now you get to follow up and say, hey, it's me. And then I'd recommend that every, you know, three to five days after that, that you follow up if you haven't heard from them until they actually tell you, no, thank you. We're going to go in another direction. I know that may sound kind of crazy and like a lot, but you have to be persistent if you want the job, if you want the bid. And I think in a lot of ways, like we think of persistence as like being annoying or sometimes we look at it like, oh, they, they're not asking me to do that. Like, I just feel so awkward. But you have to remember, like a lot of people are just thinking about it. It's not a no until they say, actually, no, we're going to go in a different direction, right? To which point, if that happens, you just bless and release and say, thank you again for the opportunity. And again, Think of the, the ways that you can be grateful. If you wanted to go one step further, if someone gives you a no, you can actually ask them and say, that's totally awesome. Thanks for letting me know. Just out of curiosity, why did you choose not to go with me? Um, if you do that, you need to be prepared for whatever the reason is, but it's a really good time to get feedback because they could tell you an objection that might be helpful to you. So for example, if they're like, yeah, the price is too much. 
what would you say? Most people be like, oh, if the price is too much, I need to lower my price. I would say if someone's coming back to you saying, well, the price is too much before you go and lower your price, I would say, how can you add more value? Because you probably didn't sell them on all the things that you're going to do for them right the first time. So before you ever lower your price, think of how you can add more value. Um, and then you can negotiate that if they're saying, well, I just feel like it wasn't, you know, like it's going to be this much work, blah, blah, blah. You can just explain to them exactly how you plan to spend that time. And you can even go back and say, how about we divide this into hours and I can show you how long it's taking by tracking my hours if you want. Um, again, you're going to walk out a fine line with that because clients that are like that, usually they're like really nitpicky. And it's like, do you want somebody that nitpicky to be over overseeing your event, right? So sometimes it's a blessing if they're like, oh, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? Because maybe they weren't the right fit and always be grateful for the opportunity to present because it gets easier and easier. And every time you write your proposals, they get easier and easier. Um, so what happens when you get rejected? Like what if somebody's just like looks at it and instantaneously they're like, yeah, no, we're not going to do it. Um, I want you to know that the answer before you ever ask is already no. So you really have nothing to lose. Like by going in, writing up a proposal, explaining what you could do, how you can make someone's life better, how you can improve their life with events. Um, the answer is already no if you don't ask. So you literally have nothing to lose. And you need to just remember, like, don't take it hard when people say no and they can't. It has nothing to do with anything besides like it just was a no. Okay. And that's why I say gratitude is the best attitude because it helps you to remember, like, if I can be grateful for the opportunity, like you're already doing something in the right steps. And if you've pitched three people in a row and three people have said no to you, I want you to reach out to me personally, because I'd love to review that for you and to tell you exactly why you're probably getting no's. The reason I love this community is I want to create, um, a sisterhood of, of women who are doing events, who can bounce ideas off of each other, where we take things as data and not as you are bad or you suck at events, right? It's just data. Like most of the time we don't know what we don't know. And so as you can hone your skills and as you can get better, you're going to learn how to pitch yourself and how to position yourself in a way that people say, yes, like when can we get started? Okay. So I want you to know that, um, this also works with like raising your price. When you put an event proposal together and you think about your price, you know, if somebody says yes to you, like instantaneously, that probably means that your price is too low. If you're like, oh yeah, I can do it for this much. You're like, yes, let's do it. Like, where do I sign up? It probably means that you could have charged a little more. Like you want people to think about it and be like, hmm, okay, yeah, okay, let's do it. Um, and don't, again, don't misunderstand. Like if this is your first event that you're doing for somebody, don't walk in and be like, yes, my fee is $5,000, <laughs> right? You want them to, um, you want to know that like you are getting paid what you're worth, but at the same time, you're giving yourself room to grow right? So if people are saying yes, and you're getting busy, like as you're getting more and more events, that's where you can start to raise your price because you become more in demand. And then you can offer different services. Like one of the services I offer, and we're going to cover next week is like working with sponsors and how to get people to pay to participate in events and how to get people to donate items to events so that you don't have to pay, right? And how to leverage all those things. And so that's like one of my little secret things that I bring to the table that I say in the proposal, I'm going to get you flowers for $0. I'm going to get you a photo booth for $0. I'm going to do this, 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 um, when it's possible because I can leverage my networks and my audience that I've built. And they're like, oh my gosh, how does she do that? Right? Like it's super, super valuable. So I'm excited to talk to you more about that next week. Make sure to tune in tomorrow so that you can learn about protecting your business with Sarah Wells. 
And yeah, I hope this was helpful. If you have questions, if you have comments, let me know and I'll catch you next time.